0: I want to uh, ask you this morning, if you would, to stand for the reading of the gospel. I'm a Lutheran. It's a Lutheran thing. Bear with me. So I do want to do the gospel reading from Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. There it says that that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him and a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. You may be seated. So this morning as we look at Mark four thirty-five through 41, and asks, what do you fear? What do you fear? And admittedly, I was going to start off with more of a question of, you know, how many of us have ever gone through a crisis? And then I realized, gee, the last year and a half, I think, has been a crisis, right? With the whole COVID thing and, and all this went on there with lockdowns and, and all of that. We've all experienced, at least on some level, crisis, crisis. And let's face it, the longer we live, the more experienced with crises we are in this life. In the scriptures here, the disciples literally experience this, this weather crisis. This sudden and fierce and violent storm comes upon them. It's unexpected. And these type of storms on the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee is set up so that it's just made perfectly for these storms to just suddenly come upon you. And that's what happens in this text. The geography just conducts the weather toward these types of storms. Now, the real surprise is this. The response of the disciples, the response of the disciples, keep in mind that at least four, possibly six or seven, depending on how you interpret John 21, at least four, though, were professional fishermen. These guys knew about being out on the water. They knew what to do when storms came up. They knew how to handle the boat. If you're going to be out out there and a storm comes up, those are the people you want to be with, right? The ones who know what's going on and how to handle themselves. And so at least Peter, Andrew, James, and John were fishermen, we know from Matthew 4. Well, you know, we want to be with them. And you'd think, fishermen, good, all right, we we should be okay here. Reminds me, one time I was flying, and I was, I was flying on a plane from San Antonio to Chicago on my way back to Atlanta. I'm cheap, so it was the long route, okay? I admit it. And so I'm sitting next to a guy who was also cheap, apparently, and he was flying from San Antonio to New York City. He worked in San Antonio, so he had to fly out there every week from New York City where he lived with his family. And so we're on this plane together, and we're, we're flying into Chicago, and as we're flying into Chicago, it's called the Windy City for a reason. Okay. It felt like, and now I haven't flown a lot, but it felt like that the pilot was having a hard time holding that plane. Okay. Cause we were going up and down and back and forth and all over the place. And for someone who hadn't flown a lot, that's a pretty uncomfortable feeling. It's not something I want to do all the time. Okay. well here I, so I'm sitting next to this guy he makes this trip like constantly you know every week he's doing this because he's working in San Antonio lives in New York so we had had some conversation along the flight and and so I, I just asked I said so is it usually this bad flying into Chicago and you know I'm hoping I'm praying dear Lord please let him say yes this is normal well he turns. He says, "Uh-uh." He, he says, "I have never experienced it this badly before." And I'm going, "Holy crap! And that's just not, that not what I wanted to hear." It helped my prayer life, but not much else. Okay, without needing to change my shorts afterwards. So, anyway, it was, it was great. You know, if, if you're on a if you're on a boat, you want to be on a boat with people who know how to steer the boat. They want stern, bow, all the. You, you want to be. If the fishermen are concerned, then probably everybody else on the boat's concerned as well. And we see that in the text. They're scared. They're fearful of what is happening on this boat when this storm comes in. Storms can come suddenly, and they can come into our lives suddenly as well. And I'm not talking about necessarily weather-related storms. I mean, sure, maybe it's a storm that pops up our way, but most often those storms come in other ways in our lives, such as, you know, we get that bad report from the doctor that we didn't want to hear. Or there's relation issue issues going on, relationship issues going on that, man, maybe it just blindsided us. We, di- we didn't even know. We didn't even know that something was going on that was going on, and the next thing we know, bam, there it is. And we get floored by it. About three years ago, one of my best friends in South Carolina had been having some minor health issues. Local doctor didn't think it was anything serious, but he ordered a colonoscopy, and he had stage 4 cancer. He died this past April. Those storms, they come up. They shake our world they shake up our lives they upset everything and here and here that's what happens with the disciples and that's really not even the worst part of it the worst part is Jesus is asleep on a cushion at the back of the boat he's out taking a nap resting we have this description of the fierce winds, the waves coming over the edges of the boat, the boat being swamped, filling up with water. In verse thirty-seven, you'd think that Jesus is getting blown around and and kind of waking them up by this point. And we go, how on earth would a boat? I mean, I, you know, we we in Sunday school, we've all seen those pictures of boats, you know, with the disciples and all that. Well, the interesting thing is, nineteen eighty-six, they discovered a Galilean fishing boat from about the time of Jesus and so in discovering this boat they found that it could accommodate about 13 people it was over four foot high but here here's the interesting thing about this boat if we especially works with the story the account we're reading here in the stern they had a platform that covered it and so it's thought that the helmsman would stand on that platform And that there was like a compartment underneath. And the thought is, because the text does say Jesus was asleep at the back of the boat, he was probably underneath that asleep. And so as the water is coming in over the edges of the boat, probably he's not really getting wet. He might be getting tossed about, but he's not really getting soaked and all those things. The disciples are professional fishermen, though. They wake Jesus up, and they are in a panic. They say to Jesus, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? In verse 38. In other words, Jesus, we are going to die. What are you going to do about it? They might have been wondering, Jesus, in your world, when boats fill up with water, what happens, buddy? In this world, they sink. And they might have been a little concerned. They were a little concerned. And so here they're waking them up, and the real question, the real question that they ask Jesus, and maybe so do we sometimes, when those storms come, when the health concerns come, when the relationship concerns come, when the weather turns against us in whatever way, the real question on their heart is, Jesus, don't you care about me? Jesus, don't you care? Because that's the underlying question that they're really asking. The the implication here is, Jesus, if you really cared, you'd do something about this. The disciples, they're shaken. They're scared. They're getting tossed about. And we all feel that way sometimes when life hits us in the face. Without a major sense of urgency, it seems. Though, what's Jesus do? He he wakes up. Uh, probably stood there for a minute and stretched. Maybe yawned. Oh, that's not a normal yawn, admittedly. But probably yawned, and then Jesus speaks. He speaks. He speaks to the wind, and the winds cease. He speaks to the waves, and the waves calm down in verse 39. And maybe maybe you think I'm going to say, just call out to Jesus and he'll just fix all your crisis. He'll just cause the winds to cease and the waves to calm down. He'll stop your storm. And in this case that we read in Mark, that's what he did. The winds did cease. The waves, they they stopped. But there's more to this passage than that. And because of it, that'd be an overly simplistic way to come at this passage. Admittedly, some Christians believe in faith healing. They say things to people that just aren't true. They'll tell the person that's in the storm, the storm's because of your lack of faith. Or they'll say to the sick person who doesn't get healed, you know, if you, just, if you just had enough faith, you'd be healed. Or they'll tell the person who's suffering and in the midst of it. If they didn't have sin in their lives, that wouldn't happen. And faith healers are wrong in that. They're wrong. We live in a sinful world. Because we live in a sinful world, sin affects everything. It affects everything. It affects our bodies. That's why we get diseases. Just read Genesis 3. It affects our relationships. Look at Adam and Eve in the garden. First thing he does is what most men do. He blamed Eve. I mean, you know, come on. Okay? And, and then it goes on from there and she blames the snake. So here we live in a sinful world and that has an impact on us. You know, I wish I could tell you, just call out to Jesus, he'll fix it. And sometimes that does happen. Sometimes we call out to Jesus. And as we call out to Jesus, Jesus does heal. Or he does calm the storm in some way. Yes, pray for healing. James encourages us to do that in his book. Call the elders of the church. But sometimes the Lord chooses not to heal. He chooses not to change the circumstances. And Jesus here, he says, why are you so afraid in verse 40? Have you still no faith? His point is that if they had faith in him, then they would not have feared. Even if he's asleep, Jesus is still with them. In other words, what Jesus is saying, even in the storm, if you have faith, you'll be fine. Faith and fear... In this passage they're opposed to each other our fear often cancels out our faith what do you fear what is your worst fear is it covid is it another year of lockdowns is it recession or riots is it cancer is it relationships falling apart What is your worst fear? And let me ask, does it take more faith to be delivered from the crisis, or does it take more faith to go through the crisis and stand upon the promises of God that he has given us in his word? We have to be careful that our fear doesn't cancel our faith. And we're going to see some things as we go on and look around in the context of this passage, but fear of nature, in this case, Canceled their faith. We see in this passage that fear of demons cancels faith. Fear of disease cancels faith. Fear of death cancels. Don't let your faith get canceled. And you know, we're all about canceling things in our culture currently. So don't let fear override your faith. The exception, though, here is that Jesus does calm the waves, He stops the storm in this situation. And so in the silence that follows, just think, everything now, Jesus has spoken, everything is calm. And we see now a different fear that happens in verse 40. He asked his disciples, why are you so afraid? You still have no faith. In 41, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. You know, they did fear the storm. They were scared of the the wind and the waves and all that was happening. Now they're scared of Jesus, which is where their fear should have been placed to begin with. A reverent fear for him. Fearing God first, it, it charges up our faith, it changes our faith. If they had begun with the fear of the Lord, then they wouldn't have feared the storm that came upon them. And so when our faith is in Jesus Christ and our, our fear is directed toward God, it makes all the difference. Matthew 6, it tells us there to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things shall be given to you. What are we putting first in our life? Are we seeking him first? Because that's what makes all the difference. Do we want to know Jesus? Do we want to walk with him? Do we want him to be a daily part of our lives? Too many Christians live as practical atheists. Jesus doesn't have anything to do with their daily life. Is he really a part of our ongoing experience of our life? And here, Jesus desires to be that. We need to put him first in our lives. And so our passage this morning is in the midst of Several other what I would call power stories if we look at these accounts. These accounts reveal who Jesus is and what he came to do. Jesus shows them he is the long-awaited Messiah. He comes to seek and to save the lost, it says in Luke 19.10. And so repeatedly here he demonstrates his authority and his power. In Mark four thirty-five through 41 we see him calming the storm. It shows his authority, his power over nature. In Mark 5, 1-20, through 20, Jesus delivers the demoniac. He shows his authority, his power over demons. In Mark 5, 21-34, Jesus heals the diseased woman. And there he shows his authority and his power over disease. And then lastly, in in Mark 5, 35-43, Jesus shows his authority and power even over death as he heals the little girl who has died. Jesus has all power and authority. It's been given to him. He has a mission to accomplish. And then he passes that mission on to us in the Great Commission to take the gospel to those who need to hear it. But what happens so often is our own fear keeps us not only from taking the gospel message out, but our own fear keeps us from walking with him on an ongoing daily basis. When we know who Jesus really is, we can make it through the crises that come in our lives. But we've got to know him. Are we committed? Are we committed to his plan and his purpose? It doesn't mean that God will always take away our crisis, whatever it is. But it does mean he'll always go through it with us, whatever the crisis is. You know, if the old wisdom's true, and I know I've always heard this, we're either entering a crisis in the middle of a crisis or exiting a crisis. We hope with COVID we're exiting. If that's correct then we're all at different places with this. Where are you this morning in relationship to a crisis? Do you fear the crisis or do you fear the one who is Lord over the crisis? You see, Jesus Christ, he is Lord of lords. He is King of kings. Our crisis doesn't dethrone him from the throne of God in heaven. He's still there. He's still sitting on it. He still has all authority, all power. And so, whatever comes into our lives, look to Him. Continue to look to Him. Know Him. Believe in Him. Claim His promises. You know, I, I was thinking about this on the way here. As I uh, have some plans after the service, going grab lunch for the friend and do some of that. And, and I was thinking, well, you know, I could just grab supper probably on the way back. And, because we're going to hang out for a bit and that kind of thing. And, and then the thought occurred to me, you know, man, I have leftover Chinese in the fridge. I have to tell you, it's really good. It's like my favorite place in Seneca, right? And as I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking, you know, why on earth would I swing through a fast food place on the way home when I got that waiting on me, Right. What the promises of God do for us is they remind us that we have something better waiting on us. And that's what's ahead of us. And as we think about God's promises, we can make it through the now because of what's coming. I can wait. I don't have to swing. Praise God. I don't have to swing through McDonald's. I got something better waiting at home for me. And Jesus says, though, even now, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. We're not alone. God said repeatedly in the Old Testament, it's repeated in the New as well, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's on the boat with us. The Apostle Peter reminds us, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you in 1 Peter 5, 7. Jesus does care about us. Even when sometimes we wonder, where is he? Does he care? Yeah, he does. And Maybe you don't sense his presence like you would like to sense his presence at that time, but he does. God is at work through our crisis. The Apostle Paul says, And we know that for those who love God, key thing there, all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God's at work in our lives. He has a purpose and a plan. Are we committed to His purpose and plan? And that can be hard at times. I mean, we think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? He knows He's facing the cross. He knows what's coming. The torture He's going to experience. Being nailed to the cross and hanging there until He dies. He knows what's coming. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, He prays. He prays three times, Lord, if it be your will, take this cup from me. But not my will, yours be done. And that's a hard thing to pray when we're facing a difficulty in life. But we need to get to know Jesus, know who he is, read the scriptures, especially the gospels. Choose to trust him and believe his promises. We can live at peace through the crisis that we face. Jesus tells us, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Amen. Amen.